This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast. We talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I am Christopher Hunt, head instructor at Aikido Fresno. And with me is Joshua Tiki, assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And Maya Salon McDaniel, second QN student at Aikido of Fresno. And we're back. There we go. There we, we made it. It's been another week. For another week. Week number what? Zep- what is this? Week number Zep- one, episode, episode 91. 91. Jesus. 91 that's weeks that we've talked about Aikido. And we haven't missed a week yet. Uh-huh. That's pretty good. Knock on wood. That's that's that, dedication. That's my head. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we have a good topic, I feel like, today. I feel like you say that every week. And I am correct. Yeah, that's Most true. Weeks. You are correct. Most weeks. So this week we're going to talk about Rinshu, which is training methods. So... Um, the way we break up our Aikido training is there, there are three like topics that contain the information. There's Aiki, which is how we fit energy with someone else. There's Kumiuchi, how we struggle if the fitting doesn't work. There's Tai Sabaki, how we use our body. And then there's this fourth element, uh, which is Rinshu. And Rinshu is simply how we train those other three elements. So those four things make up uh, Aikido training for us. Um, and we're going to talk today about Rinshu. Yeah. I think it's important because I feel like, um, you know, all this is sort of, uh, I, I feel like we do a lot of episodes that are kind of like troubleshooting for people. Like, hey, here are problems that uh, as do as we're doing Aikido, we stumble upon. And why why might we have those problems and, and talking about it? And I feel like this is one of those things where it's like um, there are problems that will arise and they might be because of, a what you are training and and b how you are training those things mm-hmm. or or maybe not so much how you're training them but like uh how you think that you're training them or or what you think you're training i think people right? tend to focus a lot on the what you're training and less on the how you're training it you know a lot of people right. are like that's aikido thing yeah yeah totally arguing over like well is you know is eq done like this or like this or you know right. this angle or that angle or you know the what of it the rather perfect than... perfect Right, exactly. And, and it's like oftentimes we, we kind of uh, ignore how you train the thing. And or, that's kind and of also like, a, it's like a hidden side. Why? And also the why, I think, right. is a really yeah. important thing. Like, oh, yeah. why are we training Ikkyo? And why are we training it in this specific way? Right. And what, what are we going to get out of it? And I think that people train Ikkyo as a form, and they think they're getting something else out of it. Um, and that's where you see then as it begins to translate into more spontaneous practice um, that you begin to have problems because yeah. the form that you're training isn't the same as the spontaneous practice and that won't be the same as a, like a full-on practice like a, a rondori or something. Yeah. There's so many complicated things to talk about in this because so, you know, people like to compare systems and talk about systems. So if you took something like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which um, in the world today, I think very few people deny its um, ability to perform what it does, right? And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu claims to make you good at ground grappling. It does. Uh, I don't think many people would say that it doesn't do what it claims it does. And so the question of why does that system do that very effectively, and maybe other systems don't, right? So, I mean, with Aikido... I don't even know if most people can formulate what they think Aikido does, right. you know, so that's, that's in be. and of itself a problem, because right. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is clearly set forth, you know, like, it's for ground grappling, you know, no one expects to learn to box or shoot a gun or nothing from learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Aikido 
I don't know, maybe we're learning ground grappling, maybe we're learning boxing, maybe we're learning, and people got to, but anyways, let's just set that aside. (laughs) Um, To me, if you took uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you just did the techniques of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and had the intellectual understanding of how the system of Brazilian jiu-jitsu works, you still wouldn't be good at doing what is known now as Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You wouldn't be a good practitioner. You couldn't prove to anyone that it worked because you only intellectually understand how it works. You only know the forms. And that's exactly what every Aikido, well, the vast majority of Aikido schools are limiting themselves to. We only know the intellectual side of it. We only know theoretically how it would work. And because we only know that, it's impossible to know how well our system would perform because we only know a a piece of it, right? Probably a third of it. You know what I mean? Like compared to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu where they have a way to practice it under stress, they have a way to um, intellectually understand what it is they're doing, uh, and then they have a way to train that stuff into your body, right? You know, so there's there's at least three categories, right? One is, can my body spontaneously do it without me consciously thinking of it? Can I consciously understand and analyze it and know why I'm doing well or not well? And then can I perform all that under a great deal of stress, you know, when I need to? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Aikido doesn't have a lot of that, and that's that's a problem we have. And I mean, why? Well, why is that like why don't can't we have like why haven't we been able to come up with a way to um to kind of test those things and put them into a more i mean it's people we don't really want to right i mean that's the, it's i that mean the, i think that's, that's, a, I think that's a big i think it's a big yeah. issue so i mean we have two styles of aikido of the major style you know I, I list six major styles of aikido um there's a lot there's tons of styles of aikido way more than six but i think those six are very prevalent in the world um and those basically being uh aikikai uh shin shin totsu or or key society aikido iwama style aikido yosin kan yoshin kan yosei kan and um uh tamiki um, so Shotokan. So um, so those those six styles represent a lot of what Aikido is. Probably, you know, 80% of all of Aikido is one of those styles or a combination of those styles. Um, even a lot of sub-styles are just combinations of those styles. So so of those, you have two that are interested in, in uh, exploring stuff in a more dynamic way, and that's uh, Shotokan or Tamiki-style Aikido and Yosekan, um, both of which have different competitions. Um, Yosekan a little less formalized than uh, Shotokan. Shotokan's more formalized. They have big gatherings and world championships and stuff. So um, so there are two styles of Aikido that do have competitions. Um, and those are not as popular in the world right now as the non-competition-oriented styles. And I think, therefore, why Josh just said is most of us don't want to do that. And so that's why they're not as popular. I think we've talked about this in past episodes that Aikido tends to attract a certain kind of people, and that's like um, more intellectually oriented people, or people that like to think of, like think about stuff thinkers, and yeah. thinkers. Yeah, um, people that even though they're doing something physical, like while they're on the mat, a majority of their time spent on the mat is going, hmm, "How does this work? How do I? How can I? You know, switch my angle on this, and how do I? You know, make my hips do this thing better? You know, like even the physical aspect is very um, intellectualized, right?" And I know that this is this is I mean how I what I like to do you know even when I'm I'm like I, I shouldn't be worrying so much about that I tend to go like well how could I hmm, I gotta figure this out you know um, and that's the kind of people that Aikido attracts you know heady heady mm-hmm. people you know and so it's uh, hard to let yourself sit back and just go I need to worry about the thinking later let me just be in the moment right now let my uh, unconscious mind 
just process this as it happens and then I'll worry about analyzing later. Right. It's really yeah. difficult. It's well, but I think that, the, and this is part of what we're, we're talking about here, in some cases I'm doing forms that might be the correct time to right. sort of analyze sure. as I'm breaking yes. the form down, as I'm doing it, whatever. There are other practices where that uh, that being said, if you just do that, you are going to be missing out on the vast majority of the rest of the thing. So right. you do have to have practices <clears throat> that allow you to then internalize, like physically internalize uh, the things that you've been intellectualizing, right. you know. Right. And, Which uh, is the thing I think we most lack right now. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, so like, um, let's say that uh, there is a um, strategical, tactical kind of practice, and that's uh, and that's where we're analyzing why we would make these choices. Uh, and for Aikido, that's basically kata, right? And so, and that kata might, and, and it's just forms. That kata might come in the form of kihon, basic. Might come in the form of kinonagare, which is uh, in motion might come in the form of jiu, uh, jiwaza, which is like um, spontaneous, meaning that like we're going to still be doing kata, but we're going to do them, and I don't know which one I'm going to do in what order, or you know, right. people are coming in with different attacks, so I don't know what form I'm going to do, but I am still going to do a form. Could be kaishi, uh, which is a form where um, one flips to the other, um, or it could be kanren, uh, a form where it adapts into another, but that's basically forms training, right? And so, you know, if you were studying in the military, you'd call that tactics class or, you know, like a, you're studying a tactical idea of how you assault a building, say, or how you, you know, do whatever. Like, you know, this is what in boxing coaches sit and spend hours doing, you know, or like football coaches do. They look at stuff and they go like, oh, their offense is like this. So how could we have the best chance at beating it, you know? It comes down to making choices. Right. How do you make the right choices for the situation you're right. in? Right, right. And then once we have our tactics, our plan, and so in Aikido, that's kata, we have our plan, then what we need to do is we need to drill into our our students, our practicers, our players, or whatever you want to call them. Uh, we need to drill into them the individual skills that they're going to need on an unconscious level so they no longer have to think about it, right? So, for example, this is why in fencing you practice uh, thousands of hours of lunging, right? So, like, a lunge, you know, like, you know, first, uh, say, two weeks of fencing, you basically know how to do a lunge, um, but you'll practice it your entire career trying to make it more and more efficient and, and better in your unconscious mind, better and better and better. Um, and that's a drills-based practice, right? And Aikido, we don't really have a lot of drills. Some of our Kino Nogare practice kind of becomes right. drills, but no. Well, and we have some of the stuff, but I don't think people understand it. You know, so we have footwork practices. But I don't think that it's ever done in, like, relation to what we're actually doing. You right. know what I'm saying? In a way that makes it very clear that, like, you're doing Tenkan for a reason. You're right. doing Irimi Tenkan for a reason. You're doing, um, you know, your your different steps um, because those that is the move. Those are the movements that you're going to be making. Right. So you're doing them, but uh, you know, I I don't know if it's a hundred percent clear to people that like that's the stuff you're going to be doing all right. the time. So you really need to hone in on that and make it good. You know, if you can do a crisp, clean tenkan and Rimi tenkan, um, those things are going to pay off. Uh, you and the same with rolling. You know. Like, we do all this rolling. Well, that's because that's part of the practice that we need. Right. right. Um, so those are, like, the drills we have. But you're right. I don't think we have some of the 
the deeper skills that we need don't come out in drills. And I think I think what you're saying is really right too. That it's like a lot of times those drills are disconnected from how we're actually going to use them. And so because we don't actually know how we're going to use them, it's disconnected. And so even though maybe we do have some good uh, unconscious training in those areas, we don't know when they play out. And so that makes it hard to access that stuff. Um, and then after that, you have to have some kind of simulation of the event, right? So, you know, um, understand that in training, there will always be a simulation um, with the exception maybe of sport martial arts like boxing. We could, as part of our training session, have sparring partners where we really go at each other just like we would in the ring. Although you don't see that very much even in professional sports like that because um, they don't want the guy to get hurt before right, he gets in the ring. training. Right, and so while they'll be sparring, usually we'll have more pads on than normal. We'll have different shorter durations. We'll, we'll make all kinds of concessions, so we're not actually beating our guy up as much. Um, in the military, they'll do stuff like use simunitions, right? So so a, a bullet that doesn't actually hurt people, right? So like that way we don't kill each other while we're training, right? So we have to have some kind of simulation that, for the most part, um, gets most of the stuff that we're going to need to do done in the way we're going to need to do it. And that way we can use all that stuff, all the, the analyzing and all the training we've done in a situation that's unfolding and we can problem solve on the fly and, uh, and use our trained unconscious skills on the fly, right? So it's like you're marrying those those drills that you've right. done, all those little skills that you've built up, and also the decision-making and the technical stuff, it. putting it all together um, right. to try and simulate the thing right and and, in an aikido we would call that rondori we do have the practice the problem is most people confuse jiwaza and rondori and the words are interchangeable and so because they're interchangeable people think that jiwaza is rondori and it's it's not you know rondori is a different kind of practice than jiwaza so i was thinking about this the other day uh so we when me and chris first started in the garage there was um a great example of this so you know we would be doing let's say like a yoko minuchi um, like a, the entering blend for Yoko Minuchi, right? Which is essentially as the person's coming with the, their Yoko Minuchi strike, you uh, enter directly um, in on them. And so we did this, and I think uh, we were all fairly adept at it, being able to do it like in a Kiyong form style. And then uh, at some point, Chris, you just pulled out this uh, padded club and said, okay, we're going to do it now. I'm really going to hit you. And it took a long time to be able to do the thing even close to uh, how I would do it in the form. Um, Most of the time, I just got hit because I wasn't used to you coming in so ferociously. My first initial response was uh, freeze, move, right? Um, I left with a bunch of bruises on my arms. arms You know, so, um, and it's a perfect example of um training uh, training something and then doing something um and so intellectually i knew exactly what i needed to do it was a very simple thing arms up move in um but suddenly when the pad came out and i knew if i didn't uh move i was going to get hit and it was going to hurt i couldn't it, i couldn't do it you know yeah. and it took a long time of going through that going through that going through that to train my body and now if we did it again i could probably um you know move in quickly and swiftly and be able to do what i needed need to do but at the time it didn't happen and it took a long it took you know months of that in order to really get it where it needs to be and most play, most schools that's not something they would even and that's, that's, I think, it's important to understand. That's the difference between 
training and teaching. Teaching is explaining to someone how it works. And if you're a good teacher, you can explain it in terms that they understand and they will get an intellectual understanding like yours rather quickly if you're a good teacher. But that's different than training. Training, even with a really good coach, takes a while to put that into your system. And this is why talented people um, become athletes uh, that make a lot of money because it's hard to train those skills and it takes a long time. And so if you've got someone who's adept, adept right. at taking that in, that's a unique and rare person. And that's why that person can make a lot of money playing football or baseball or whatever they did. And, and uh, training can happen outside the knowledge. You know, sure, so like absolutely. You, yeah. could, uh, you, know, you could find someone who's really good and come in and do that thing in no time flat maybe not have any knowledge oh, about what they're, you know. I mean, that's the thing, like... And I think that's the flip side of what we see a lot of times. You know, it's we see people with a lot of knowledge and very little uh, ability. Or the flip side, we see people with ability, but they don't have a lot of knowledge. You know, they right. built this ability over years, but they don't understand how to how to use it. Right. Know? They couldn't explain it to you. They couldn't right. impart that, right. uh, that knowledge onto someone else because they don't have any knowledge. They have the ability. It's just in them. And I think that's kind of like, kind of shows that we don't have one mind. We have two minds. You know, we have our kind of unconscious mind, and as Chris says, our unconscious mind and our conscious mind. And I think, at least in Aikido, there's like a, a lack of understanding of how we learn there, um, because I think we genuinely kind of do think like, oh, if I just do it, you know, uh, slow or medium speed, and I'm you know, keep thinking about my angle and keep, you know, working on it in my head, I'll be able to utilize that when I really need it, whatever that is, whatever you are hoping to utilize that thing for. Um, when in truth, it's like, like Josh was saying, there's a totally different, it's a totally different situation when you're under duress or, you know, and your, your heart's pumping and you, there's a, a weapon in somebody's hand or it's, you know, something didn't go perfectly and now right. a new situation. You're wearing clothes you're not used to wearing, right. like all that stuff. Like it, you know, it changes things and you don't think it will, but it does. Um, and so to get used to that, you have to do that, you know, and you have to keep getting used to new things again yeah. um, and stretching yourself in those different ways. Otherwise that intellectual knowledge in those moments when you need it won't be there because it's not, it's not in your unconscious. Right. At all. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we've been working, the three of us have been working on Saturdays, um, uh, I kind of came up with a, an idea. It's based on a lot of old ideas that I think have gotten got shuffled under the carpet over the years. But an idea of uh, saber stick fencing um, uh, that uses a specific set of skills. Um, anyway, so I've been trying to train Josh and Maya in it. And, you know, it went from explaining the basic theory, which they both pretty quickly could understand, had no problem getting it, you know, done a lot of work with sticks and, and swords and stuff. So intellectually, I, I explained it right away. Then a set of basic drills where it's like, okay, here's the core of the system. Here's the core of these ideas. Um, I, let's see if we can do them, period. You know, can, can you do them? And that's one-off stuff, right? So I'm going to swing like this, your response. I'm going to swing like that, your response. And then Just it's like – over and over. Yeah, repeated. exactly right. Yeah, so that way their unconscious mind starts to train that in. And then, um, and then at the end of the session, I try to do a little light sparring with them where I give them those same situations that we just trained, but I give them to them in weird ways, right? So like, you know, I will make weird series of events happen that didn't happen before, or I'll change up the way in which I attack, or I will do a set quicker or slower than they were used to, or, you know, I'll kind of play with range, all kinds of different stuff. And it, it's interesting to see how those three things, intellectually, they've done a lot of this stuff. They understand how it works really quick. Drills, 
pretty quick, probably already where they need to be. But still with sparring, it's like mm, a little shaky because it's like even though they understand how it works, it takes more training to actually do that, you know? I know, and, I definitely... And a different kind of... Tra- like yeah. or, uh, a different kind of mindset uh, yeah. has to, to come in. And this is what you were talking about before where it's like... Um, you when we're training that sort of the sparring time and even like the the skill set time um the intellectual stuff has to just set aside for a while you just have to put that out of the way and you just have to shut your mind out off and do what you're doing um and then afterwards you can come back and go okay every time he was coming in and doing this thing i kept i kept getting hit what is going on and then you can intellectualize it with from the knowledge that you have right but that has to come after you can't be doing it in in the moment moment. you'll just get destroyed your conscious mind's tragically slow like very very slow um it cannot respond anywhere near the amount of time your unconscious mind can and this is why you know when you get in stressful situations a lot of times you'll be like how did i get outside of my house like your house is on fire how did i get outside of my house or when did i pull my hand away from that or you know because your unconscious mind is responding so fast your conscious mind can't even process that it happened and then later it can go oh that went on you know like when i was trying to solve aikido for myself um, there were lots of sparring sessions and stuff where um, i would just do whatever i did and then after go like Oh, why did, why did I, I do that? Yeah, why did I do that? Why did Aikido fail me or whatever? And I would think about it and go, no, I just haven't trained this piece of the system because the system answers this. And then it would be a, a period of time me trying to train that into myself and then seeing if it worked or didn't work. And that's a kind of like a really good learning feedback loop, which is like you, you know, you had, you knew the whole system of Aikido, but you had to run things in simulations, go, where did I make a wrong choice or where did, where did this not work out? go back to the drawing board with that choice that you made a mistake on, think about it, fix it intellectually, and then go, okay, let me create a small drill to work me right, exactly in right. making the right choice, and then we'll put it back into the simulation. And so it's you've got this loop where you can constantly kind of grow your skills based on those three ways of training. Yeah, you can ask Josh when we were training in the garage. And, you know, I still do this now, but it's just it's much more smoothed out because I know how to do it much better. But I was always coming up with weird drills like, hey, guys, here's a piece of rope. This is what you're going to do. Like, you know, like weird ass shit, you know, because it's like, okay, we need to train this. How do we train that? I don't know how we train that, you know. And I think even like um, this still applies to even if you're not worrying so much in Aikido about being like, you know, martially sound or, you know, self-defense oriented or whatever you want to talk about. But like. Even aside from that, I feel like it's a good way to, if you're wanting to train a thing or you're wanting to work towards a thing, whatever that is, even if it's smoothness or, you know, more flowing, like whatever that that thing that you're working, that Aikido that you're working towards, like putting that, that, that loop into place, you know, so that you can think about it, practice the skill, and then go into the simulation, you know, right. do the whole thing. And I think that the, working those things out together and know what you're training in each of those stages, like being clear about it to yourself, to your other students, or, you know, to your class, like, can help you actually, like, train what it is you want to train better, you right. know? Um, I was telling Josh and Chris about this yesterday. It just kind of made me laugh. Um, when I was at that women's seminar in Santa Cruz, I was working with a group, and there was a brand-new uh, brand new student. Like, she was, like, like two weeks barely into Aikido and came to this seminar, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, bold. T- very bold, yeah. She was really excited about it. She was, like, total, but, like, totally new. Um, and it was like uh, we were working. We had worked a um, like a kino nagare form, but then the um, the teacher was like, 
go ahead and kind of like do a little juwazo with it, like kind of, you know, flow around. And like the whole point was to like flow, you know, and mm-hmm. just kind of feel each other and move around. And, um, you know, and she said, you don't have to do technique every time. You can kind of move off to the side. You don't have to do the technique every single pass that you make. Um, and so it was me and this new girl and uh, another, like a, a black belt. And um, so we were working and, uh, you know, I'm just kind of like trying to, to flow, you know. Um, but the, the new students obviously like a little confused it's and hard to flow. having, yeah. you know, <laughs> having a hard time and she's trying to do the technique. And it was funny to me because the other, the other uh, student, uh, the black belt, she stopped the student and is like working on the technical aspect of this technique with the new student. And it was interesting to me because I'm like, that's not what we're, what we're doing right now. You know, like that's kind of like, that is definitely, trust me, the new student needs all that help. But like, there's another time for that. You know, that right. was 10 minutes right. ago. So not that we she were, doesn't need the practice, just right. not at this moment. Right. That was 10 minutes ago when we were working on the technique. Right. Now we're working on flowing and it's less about the technique and more about like, can we move around each other and not bump into each other? Right. You know, that kind of stuff. And so I think it's like having that kind of awareness of like, what are we working on right now, you know, and separating your own, like, because I think as a the higher ranking student, like, sometimes you see people making mistakes, and you start to go, like, oh, I need to correct that, oh, right, yeah, I need well, to, I feel that, uh, that, you know, peeves. right, yeah. exactly, and so it's like, but so often, is like, now the time to, that, to yeah. correct that, you know, is that, is that what we're working on right now, or is it just my own, is bullshit, it my own yeah. bullshit that's getting in the way of what we're training right now? Well, and I think, you know, part of it is just the, the way that the training comes off a lot um, yeah. is because a, a few things. One is like, um, as people, we want to see, like we want to see results, and so the techniques offer us a way to see those yeah, things. You're right. Um, yeah. As opposed to just flowing around and moving, um, and so it's like, oh, I'm just moving around. Well, cool, but how is that at all a thing, right? Because right, a lot of times, right. how is that aikido? Um, and so, you know, we become attached to, like, Aikido being Ikkyo, being these techniques. And so we, and rightfully so, I think, in the way that it's trained, like, you know, most of the time when we're training, those are the things that we see. And it's one of the reasons, I think, at our school that we flipped it so that, you know, those techniques don't come up until way late yes. in the process, way late in the process. And at that point in time, it's not about them, really. Right. And at that point in time, you've all you already have all the other stuff. So when we plug in the techniques, they're easy. They'll they'll come off uh, effortlessly almost because everything else is set up. Most schools, I think, do it the opposite way, which is like train train the technique, 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 and then shoot it into um, like application and. that people just get bogged down with it all i think most aikido schools tend to do one of two things either the emphasis is on just flowing just flowing don't worry about what you're doing just flowing or the emphasis is on technical detail yeah and throw a textbook at you right right (laughs) and the truth is it's really in both of those being able to do both of those at the same time and so um you know like for me i i was trained as a technician i mean like a very technical aikido um i like very technical aikido i could talk about it all day i can fun all kinds of things it's very fun but at the same time, I've had to put a lot of that away because 
my technical Aikido was getting in the way of the students learning something other than just demonstrating the techniques of Aikido. So, you know, if just demonstrating the techniques of Aikido is your goal, then that's fine. But if you want to put it in application in some other way, you know, how does this enrich my life? How could I defend myself with these skills? How is this making a, me a bigger and broader person? When you start asking those questions, it's like, well, then I got to get beyond being a technician, you know? And I think that's what, exactly what you said, which is the techniques are fun, and we could spend all day doing them. And that's and and like, it's easy right. to. And they're the, and they're the most visible. They're yeah. the most yeah. tangible. Yeah, they're gratifying. So like, yeah. of course, it's gratifying. if yeah. you're coming, if and especially as an instructor, if you want to be like, I want the students to be able to see when they leave this class, or or have a feeling that they've accomplished something, or they have something it could take away. Of course, you're going to give them the techniques, right? Because. Um, you know, just having someone go, well, I moved around and you weren't able to touch me. That is an awesome thing, by the way. But it, it is an awesome most thing. People, but it takes some maturity to understand that right. that's an awesome most thing. Most people aren't gonna gonna uh, understand that. You know, it's funny. I think a lot of times when you talk to people about that, you know, like um, like Aikido is just. I, I remember a, a, a rather famous Aikido practitioner actually telling me this once. Um, like, oh, Chris, you're just talking about getting out of the way, and I was like. Yes. Yeah. And they were like, that's all you're talking about is getting out of the way. Why is that interesting? And I said, well, because if I could get out of the way of anyone ever trying to hurt me, no one could ever hurt me. Right. And that sounds amazing. Right. And he said, but that's just getting out of the way. That's not doing Aikido. And I was like, what the hell? You know, but like, I think there is definitely this thought. Like, if I can't see you do a sweet technique, right. then then how are you doing this this form? Right. You know, and, and my Aikido has become more and more about understanding how you're doing it even if you're not doing it. I mean, like, I think most of my students could look at people who never do Aikido and go like, ooh, they had an Aiki moment or, right, oh, they're right. doing Aiki right now or, you know. Well, and I think it's also, and this is maybe beyond the scope of, of the, this particular podcast, but the things that you can do with Aiki, you know, um, so you can just get out of the way. You can also lead people. You can also meet people, which is where the techniques, I, I feel like, maybe come in a little bit. Um, so to say that, like, you know, the techniques that getting out of the way would be boring or whatever, how, how is that any less boring than just looking at the techniques right. and missing right. all of the other stuff, you know, because right. it's all just a little piece um, of the thing. So, like, the techniques to me are as much of a piece as anything else, you know. Right. So, to me, it's like, yeah, the techniques are boring. You, you'll, you can get them in a very limited amount of time. Then the real work begins, and the real work doesn't begin in the minutia of, you know, this what's angle the best angle that, yeah. to put my feet. That's not where, that's not where the, the the work should come in, you know. But like I mean, like you said, that's the most gratifying, easy to see progress, you know. And so it's easy to hang out there and go like, oh, my technique's got, you know, I can sumio tosh someone really well now you right. know but i mean you know the question is for those people who uh who have achieved a high level of, of technical detail and, and ability and i can say this because i'm a person who did that um how well do you feel like that's going to benefit you if you got into a live action situation right and so so meaning you know like uh, after i was a black belt in aikido and had a fair amount of technique um uh, I got into a fight, and I didn't use any of my Aikido. And it was like, well, that was stupid. Well, why have I spent all this time right, right. getting really good at these techniques and when that's not what I did right. when I got in that fight, you know? So um, so understanding that, like, there's more to it than that. And, and, you know, the problem is once you've invested a ton of time in learning techniques, then it's hard not to want to show that and right, demonstrate right, right. that and be like, look, I'm good at
good at this because you are probably, you know, right. like, so that's awesome. And it, and, and understand too, that you don't ever have to throw that away because that is all useful stuff. It's just in the grand scheme, it's, you know, maybe a, maybe a quarter or a fifth of what the whole thing right. is, you know? Well, so being as this is, you know, talking about training methods, um, maybe we can run through like some of the, the methods that, that we use, um, you know, in terms of this is how we look at technique. This is how we look at that next portion of it, whatever. Um, and then, you know, all the way up to, you know, f- some sort of full-on rondori. Yeah. So uh, lots of things to understand. First, first, uh, I can only talk from our school and the way our school goes about Aikido. You know, our school has a, a, a clear doctrine of what we think Aikido is about. Um, and basically the idea is, uh, I would like to, to find a problem and solve a problem as quickly as possible. And that means if I could look across the street and recognize that there's trouble over there, just not go over there, that that would be the very first thing, you know. Um, not being able to do that means I'm uh, keeping good distance, right? So my eye's awesome, so they can't ever get in range to hurt me. If they're pressing in some way or get close to me in some way that I can't uh, keep that from happening, then uh, to make Taino Hinko, to make a good position change with them, to create suppression so they can't get me, um, and then to, to move away from that. Um, if they do catch me, then my next goal is to make Hidoki to clear. Um, if my Hidoki is not working, then to allow that Hidoki to naturally become one of the techniques uh, that would finish the situation, right? Or, or either I'll escape, or they'll be thrown, or they'll be controlled in some way so that I can do that. And that's that's the progression we follow. So using that progression, that's how I built our set of drills that we work on, right? So the the beginning is is basically just teaching people's Thai sabaki, and I think that's where you have to start all of your students. And this is what Josh was saying: like most schools do have drills for footwork, right? So you train tenkan, irimi, and sugiyashi, and yumiyashi, and all this stuff. You train all this stuff. The students have to, that has to be their natural moving pattern. They have to stand in hanmi naturally and move to hanmi naturally uh, and take all their steps into hanmi and be able to balance themselves and do all that dynamically. So comfortable. that's comfortable. They have yep, to be comfortable. Yep. And so you need to take your students through a, a, a barrage of skills to make them move that way in a comfortable fashion so they can unconsciously do it. And then you need to move, put them in some moving drills, right? So we begin that with um, just a Taino Hinko practice that's Kino Nagare, but, but there's no real attack, right? It's just someone walking towards you, and you practice moving the different Taino Hinko and moving offline. Um, then we build that into basic suppression, so they're coming in with an attack. Um, and, and the idea is just always building up on this line of doing it, you know? And, and I think some of the more interesting drills that we have that you don't see in other schools is we have an area of contention drill. I think that's a great drill for people. So uh, understand when you're grabbed in Aikido, uh, you're moving, right? So that's where it starts. You, you don't stand still and wait for someone to grab you. And I, I know you see that a lot in Aikido demonstrations, but that's because it's a demonstration and it's not an actual event, right? So you're moving. Uh, if you get caught, you're, you're solving two problems at the same time, which is what our area of contention drill does. Um, you're clearing what they're holding on to, Plus, you're not allowing them to get a new grab. So so there's going to be an area of contention, an area where they're coming in to, to make their grab better. And so the area of contention drill, it's like a 30-second drill that you allow them to get a grab to start from. So a katate dori or a kata dori or whatever. And then they're going to complete that, right? So either they're going to go to a rio kata or a rio te or maybe a bear hug or whatever, right? They're going to complete that attack. And your job is to clear the initial plus deal with the oncoming attack. So so, so if they're grabbing kata, they're trying to come into Rio Kata. Rio Kata, kata right, right. Right, exactly right. And so, you know, or if they got Rio Kata, they're trying to bear hug you or they're trying to, you know, and these kind of drills teach the student how to dynamically deal with the situation on an unconscious level. And then when you put that in the middle of Rondori, then they can do that skill, right? That one piece, they can do that. Yeah, they're able to feel those sort of openings and things because they've 
drilled it a bunch. Here's where the person wants to be. Here's where I don't want to be. Right. Um, and you're able to do it in a uh, in a way that is uh, it's dynamic enough to actually give you feel have you feel some pressure and have your brain kind of freak out a little bit, but not overwhelming enough to shut you down completely. Right. 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 Which is that's, that's what I think you got. If the have. first time you're working that as in a rondori, that's going to be so overwhelming. You right. know, the first time somebody grabs you, you're like, I don't know. And now there's another person coming at me. I don't know how to free it my is. shoulders from this grab. And there's three things happening right now. It's too much, you know? Right. And so cutting a little and piece And that's what you see in Giawaza a lot, I feel like, is, um, you know, because people haven't uh, separated the Giawaza from the forms training, they think that they have to stand there and kind of wait for the person to come in, whatever. And then... Uh, they can turn out of it. Well, you know, they turn out of it, and then if there's more than one person, that second person is in on them, and then suddenly that third person is in on them, and there you can see that the wheels are turning way too fast for them to be able to do anything, and they get caught, they get caught, they get caught, they get caught. So if you can have a drill that teaches them, like, just move, right? Like, don't worry about anything else. You get caught, you're rolling. You get caught, you're moving out of that situation, you do that enough, then that becomes normal. Then that part doesn't have, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to spend um, thought processes on that. You can spend thought process on how do I get his hand off of my shoulder or how do I do whatever else I need to do while I'm moving. The moving is happening subconsciously, you know? Right, right. That's exactly right. Maybe we could help um, kind of provide uh, our listeners with like, a way to come up with drills because I know I think drills are kind of a, a difficult like if you haven't um, been utilizing them in your school like trying to figure out what makes up a good drill um, so like maybe like we could provide like some you know I, like important points to hit with that so like what I'm thinking here is like um, when you create a drill for something you're cutting out a tiny uh, you're you're working on a skill or solving some right. little problem that you might be having and so for this one for example you know, look at a rondori, look at the various uh, skills that one might need during a, a, a live situation kind of thing. I'm going to go, okay, this, this, we need to work on this skill right here. Pull that out um, and make sure to limit the variables in that, right? So like if you're wanting to train that skill, like we were talking about, about freeing your shoulder from a grab, you obviously don't want to have a second or a third person attacking because that's adding extra pressure right. to, and that doesn't have anything to do with the skill you're working on. Right. So like limit the variables that you're working on, give a set amount of time, um, and then also make sure to not prescribe a specific answer to right. that thing because you're training the idea of like working with this skill, kind of figuring out how does this, you know, right. within that small boundary. That's an important thing to understand for teachers is, you know, when you're working with individual students, um, you can uh, make suggestions. Hey, maybe Ikkyo would work here. Maybe Triangle would work here. Maybe whatever. But you can't tell the student to only do this one thing. Now, here's the real tricky part if you're not comfortable with your Aikido because God knows what they're going to come up with, you know? <laughs> the truth yeah. is they're probably going to come up with an Aikido answer, whether you know it or not, because Aikido actually has, has all the, the best answers, right? Like it really does. Like So what I'm saying is they will naturally come up with what is a technique. Now, they might do it ugly and badly, and it's your uh, job to look at that and go like, oh, they're, they really want a triangle here, but they 
they're not doing it right. So how do we train that? Right. And maybe part of it's the intellectual understanding of what triangle does. Um, part of it is the getting them to do it in a quick fashion without thinking about it. Um, all kinds of different stuff you can work on, but that's what you have to do. And, and so to me, really to start building drills, you have to have some kind of rondori practice. Um, and this, this whole thing's a, a sticky wicket because if you don't have people who have ever done any kind of sparring practice, they're going to hurt themselves in the first week, right? And I'm not saying severely, but everyone's going to get bumped up and banged up. Maybe there'll be some severe injuries, but bumped, banged and bumped up. And then everyone's going to go, yeah, I don't want to do that. Sucks. Let's go back to doing yeah, forms, yeah, yeah. right? So um, so the, the, the to get good drills, you have to have your rondoi practice. And so you have to decide what that means, right? So the core of our rondoi practice is we're in a limited space, right? We have multiple attackers. And your job is to stay inside of the space, unencumbered by those multiple attackers, for X amount of time. That's our basic Rondori structure, right? Generally, you're armed. Maybe you're not. Maybe they're armed. Maybe they're not, right? Like, So it can play with different ways. So then it's like with that basic structure, you let your students go. And then you watch them and you see where they have problems. Right. And then you question what the system says the answer right. to that problem is. I guarantee the answers, if you've studied Aikido, the answers are there. They may not immediately come to you, but if you watch it, you will realize, oh, Aikido prescribes this in this situation. Because the system is, you know, like a lot of times when I talk to people, it's, I, I, I personally, for my Aikido, I don't have any answers that you guys don't have. I've just looked at it in a lot of Rondori. You know, so so it's like you have the same answers that I have. It's just you need to spend time looking at it and going like, oh, the answer there is Irimi, right? Oh, the answer there is um, a clear, you know, it's Kolkute. Oh, it's Ma'ai is the problem there, right? And then when you watch your students in Rondori go like, what are the problems? Okay, can we make that better? Then create a drill that isolates that specific thing they're having a problem with. Run the drill for a couple weeks and then revisit the Rondori, right? And uh, i.e., you're revisiting the Rondori during the time where they needed to rest because they all got beat up during the first set of Rondori, (laughs) right? Because they're going to get beat up during the first set of Rondori. Um, And so so then you're giving them rest time and you're having them train that specific thing. Then we revisit Rondori and we see if you're right or wrong, right? right? Um, You you know, your your success rates will vary, yeah. but it'll probably be more or less along the lines of what you thought. And, and you know, if it was wrong, then you'll be clear. You'll, oh, my answer was wrong there. It needs this, you know. Yeah. Um, so you need to give yourself that process of like testing it out, revisiting it, testing it out, revisiting it. But first you have to just be clear of what you think Aikido should do and what you're expecting from your Aikido because you can't say Aikido does everything, you know. Oh, Aikido sword fights and teaches you to fly a helicopter and does all, you know, like it just, it's just too much crap. Yeah. What do I expect? I expect me not to get hurt in this kind of situation and ideally not hurt them. That would be cool, right? Or whatever, whatever your criteria is. I think uh, I like, and I think it's important to be able to find the problems. You know, yeah. what what are the things, where are the sticking points? Those are the things that then, then you can work on um, in take back to your form training, work on them, bring them back, you know. So it's like when people are talking about, oh, making the perfect Ikkyo, it's like they're not wrong in wanting to do that. They're, but you have to you have to test it against the actual thing That's right. and then bring it back. And then you can go, yeah, I did this 30 times in, in Rondori and, and it didn't work. Um, why? And then you can kind of work on that. And right. Ikkyo will work in Rondori, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> However sloppy and gross your Ikkyo is. 
And that's the other thing is you right. got to let go of things being looking perfect and amazing because it's it's Rondor. It's not going to look perfect and right. amazing. Right. It's going to look. The forms aren't going to magically come out. Maybe right. every now and then, and then right. you'll get really excited and jump up and down, but rarely. Right. So um, film everything because you might <laughs> find. Um, but I feel like generally the problems that are going to come up are not my EQ. I mean, if you can let go of your EQ not looking perfect, it's not going to be, oh, my EQ didn't look perfect. It's that I keep getting stuck in a corner. How do I not get stuck right, in the corner? Right, you know? right, right. And, and what Josh Three was saying. Three guys keep right. smashing me. Yep. Like, what's, you know. And what Josh was saying about how you figure out, like, what the actual problem is. So, like, for example, getting stuck in a corner. I'm sure that I'm, that's happened to me, and that's I've seen it happen a million times. Um, the getting stuck in a corner thing can be two problems. It's, you know how can I not get in the corner in the first place? Right. And then also, how can I get out of the corner? Right. So it's really two, two problems, two if skills. not more, you yeah. know? And so working like, oh, actually, this is more than one problem. And then figuring out which one do I want to solve right now? Yeah. So I, I, I hope that was helpful to people. Um, sometimes when I talk about this stuff, I'm like, hey, is this even, I don't know, right. is this even making sense to anybody? But, um, but you know, like Rinshu, understand that Rinshu is a, is a major category in Aikido. Um, which is just, you know, how we train, yeah, yeah. our training, um, which is how you put this stuff inside of you. And so, you know, you could have a, a Rinshu skill, a Rinshu set that would work for anything in the world you were going to train for, right? So, like, you know, this basic process of, like, the tactics, the the unconscious mind training, and then the, the culmination of the, the two. simulation. Yeah, the yeah. simulation is, is pretty much what anything's going to use. Like, all the different stuff I've trained in, this is basically what they all have right yeah 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 um also like i feel like um at least the way that we look at aikido you know it's aiki taisabaki kumiuchi and then renshu is like that like i was telling chris yesterday it's kind of like the fourth leg to a table you know you it's good to have you need it because it's the fourth uh that, that balancing point you know without it the table might fall over right, right but it's also kind of like this invisible side that we don't think about enough yeah if if you're not a teacher you really don't need to worry about it too much i mean you know so you need to get rinchu in but your teacher should be prescribing it so your thought probably like so that's why most of the time i don't talk about it to the students because it's like well i'm gonna do all the rinchu right, right. for you right you like just, right. i'm gonna solve those I, problems you mm-hmm. just do what i tell you that's, to do that's and exactly right what you need. um and you know if students are interested in why that's happening i'm more than happy to talk to them about it but they really need to worry about Taisabaki, Aiki, and Kumiuchi. That's what they need to worry about, getting that information. And then I will rinse them through that. It's interesting, too, because uh, at least in the way that I do cl- classes, and I think, you know, uh, at least the basic classes are kind of set up this way, where it's like, we're going to spend some time working on Aiki, you know, just whatever that interaction is. We're going to spend some time working on um, Kumiuchi. We're going to spend, you know, Tai Sabaki. We're going to spend time in each of those categories doing different things, running different drills. So you're going to get a little bit of all of that um, as the class goes. So, yeah. So good. Right. Okay. That's, uh, we're at 46 minutes here. Sorry. Boom. Sorry about the phone calls and, and I didn't turn my phone off. Man, it um, But, uh, yeah, so that's that. Uh, we'd like to thank our uh, Patreon supporters because yeah. without you guys, uh, this would not be possible. We have a hell of a list here. This is awesome. Um, thank you so much to our patron, Patreon patrons. Um, patron patrons. <laughs> we super appreciate your all your help. Um, it allows us to keep the podcast online. Um, and hopefully at some point we, we maybe could do more with that to help you or to reach out to you guys. Um, 
So our patrons are Rob Kitson, John Smith, Yuli Simbu, Matt Mumford, Lenny Acuna, Urbano, Randy Stewart, Hillary Jones, Franz Martinson, Brian Crowley, Thomas Polino, Flora Hanewick, Lise Klein, Sharon Okada, Jim Gallant, Genghis Galahad, Matt Riley, Warwick Dean, Marcin Sis, uh, Konstantinos Andrew, Christopher Aceto, and Grant Templin. <sighs> yeah. Thank you. That's a long list. I think Thomas Polino, he's the newest one. I don't rec- don't recognize that yeah. name. So um, thank you to all of our new supporters as well as our old ones. Um, and tip of the week. Tip of the week. Um, so uh, tip of the week this week is, mm. um, well, so we're talking about Ren shoes. So this is mostly, I guess, like Chris was saying. Do a, some push-ups. A, a, <laughs> that's <laughs> what? Junan <laughs> Taiso. <laughs> that's my... Uh, do some push-ups. Okay. Um, that's unrelated, but I like it. No, it's totally um, But, uh, I mean, I, I feel like even if you're not a teacher, you can, if there are skills that you want to work on, that you can create a little drill that you can work with a friend after class. You know, hey, I'm having a really hard time doing this little thing. You know, run a drill for yourself. And figuring out, like, that feedback loop between the techniques and the tools, the uh, the drills that you do, the skills that you're working on, and then that simulation, yeah. what you're working towards, what the what the final product is supposed to look like. I recently just created for myself a, a little like footwork pattern drill that I thought was the awesomest thing ever, and I just was doing it. And now I have it. Oh, sorry, I got very excited about. It. Now I have everyone else do it because I think it's a really cool thing, and you can do yeah. it by yourself. And it really runs you through all of the types of footwork th- uh, that we do in one little nice like you know pattern um but that's definitely the kind of thing that you can do like okay what are the what are the things that we do um and how can i get better at them you know yeah yeah i think that's good to do and even if you're not a teacher that's something that you can start thinking about and work with a friend whether it's during class or after class all right all right guys that's it we'll be back next week yeah see See you you next week see you next week